0: There are two so rules to remember if you want to have a good
1: time. Rules! No rules!
2: Rule number one Keep your friends close, put your enemies closer. Rule number two
3: You're a dragon. Be a dragon.
2: Ciao, Bella. This week on Double Dragon, Steve and I cover the season finale of House of the Dragon, The Black Queen. Just a note on this podcast, Steve and I will be using this feed during the off-season, so stay tuned. And of course, if you want to hear our film coverage, check us out over at Cocoons of Horror. Which, by the way, at the end of this podcast, Steve and I will talk about the films we will cover for Season 3, which will launch with The Evil Dead 2 on Halloween. Okay, without further ado, here is comic Steve Osborne. You know we are gonna cover jazz too, but I'll be honest, man. It's, it, Quint was such an integral element to that first film.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, they they're not gonna do like a city's liquors too thing where they bring in Quint's twin, <laughs> Jack <Palance. laughs> That's right. Ah, have you
4: ever seen a shark's eyes chief?
2: <laughs>
0: Dorsal fin is very sexy. Uh,
2: there was a moment where Jack Palance was like a sexy old man.
0: Yeah. Not many people have pulled off the sexy old man. I don't know. Nobody really knew what to do with it, you know. He just sort of like wandered in. <laughs> <laughs> it just sort of imposed his sexiness on us we're like ah all right geez, like he's okay. clearly
2: old there's no doubt about that it's not like it's Clooney where it's like is he old i I mean I think he's right. old but he's still clooney right no it's it was sort of like it's clear it's clear this guy doesn't know how to
0: program a VCR right like that's <laughs> right that like that early 90s like old was like like we look at Jack Ponce now and we're like oh he must have been like 80 and he was probably like 33. <laughs> but just, people age differently, you know? The entire cast of Cocoon was all, like, in their 40s. But, you know, we looked at them as, like, all oh, like one foot in the grave. Mm-hmm. It, it
2: only ever mm-hmm. happened in the 80s. Right. By the time the 90s rolled around, people realized, oh, you, you don't have to let your body go to hell. Right, yeah. And so then it's I just, mean... like, down to like people like me who just decide, no, no, I, I want my body
0: to go to hell. That's what I... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm basically, I'm, I'm doing like a retro approach to my body.
2: <laughs>
0: this is what we call a mid-80s
2: palance. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. What's your workout routine? Well, it's a mid-80s palance. I just a lot of huffing and puffing. So, last time, Steve, I said, these guys don't know what to do with the dragons. Mm-hmm. This is what
0: you do with nobody the dragons. Does. Oh, uh, this, well, this, this
2: episode, I... I I, this is what you would do with the dragons. This was a...
0: well, yeah, from a showrunner perspective, right? But, I mean, like, I think the ultimate ending was like, uh, maybe these guys don't even know what to do with their dragons. Oh, oh
2: yeah, sure. The, these guys can't control anything. Um, and it does... That was a little bit of a
0: callback. Yeah. You know, I think it was episode one. That's where Viserys basically says, like, we don't... Like, that's an illusion, right? It's an illusion.
2: You, you think we control them? It's an illusion. And it really does kind of give you a sense of, like, I don't know what Amund thought he was going to be doing on Dragonback. I think he just thought, I'm, I'm going to bully this kid until he's afraid of me. Uh, mission accomplished. Yeah. You got that. But the dragon was like, "Do you want me to chomp the dragon? I'm going to chomp the dragon.
0: Yeah, so is that like, I mean, you know, because uh, I don't know as much about dragons as um, I probably should. Uh, were the dragon like, so is it, are dragons not as cooperative with each other, or are they... Uh... You mean, do they
2: sometimes chomp each
0: other? <laughs> well, as soon as one was, like, looking to be... Like, I mean, I don't see the dragons as going, hey, Eamon is, uh, is 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 trying to bully, you know, uh... Lucerus. Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and as much as it is, like, hey, this dragon's giving me a hard time, and I'm also a dragon, and I'm going to fire this dragon up. Like, I mean, is it... You know, because, I mean, we get the sense that... Uh... From Game of Thrones, the dragons tended to, you know, kind of work together, or yeah, they
2: were kind. Of, yeah, I think so. They they kind of did, but
0: but there was also, I mean, they they were raised together, mm-hmm. you know. So so I think that there may, that may be an element. Whereas this, there's, a, I think, and again, maybe I'm I'm jumping the gun or or reading reading this incorrectly, but I think there's something about the idea of the dragons having a different type of agency yeah and and also working as a metaphor for what they're trying to do in this world politically like it just it's just assumed it's just assumed look we're we're, we're closer to gods we're it's assumed that the dragons are just going to do whatever we want all the time yeah. but then but the dragons we don't know like i mean, the dragons could be like well look i'm i don't know this dragon what do i care about this dragon you know it's it's, it's trying to come after me it's not, i'm going to I don't know, try to fire it up. The other one's like, well, you don't fire me up without getting chomped. Right.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I mean, I think if you want to just look at it on the surface, you could say, well, clearly there's not as a strong of a psychic connection as you would think, right? Mm-hmm. I think that if you want to look at it as a metaphor is that these are engines of war. True. And if you start pushing the engines of war you're gonna get a war. These these engines do not Downshift. They they only they only ever rev up. It does bring up some interesting questions about like how much agency these dragons actually have. Right. But I I, I enjoy, man I I did not see that coming. You know, in the books, it, it's pretty clear that Aegon actually wants to kill Luke or A- Aemond. Aemond actually wants mm-hmm. to kill Luke. Mm-hmm. I thought this was much more interesting. It's sort of like uh, I I want your eyeball. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I want your eyeball. And if I can't have your eyeball, I'm going to scare you all the way home, little boy. Cuz he's basically a, you know, he's he's the bullied kid that becomes the bully, right? Right.
3: I shall take your answer to the queen. My lord.
1: Wait.
4: My lord Strong. Do you really think that you could just fly about the realm, trying to steal my brother's throne at no cost?
3: I will not fight you. I came as a messenger, not a warrior.
4: Fight would be little challenge. No. I want you to put out your eye. It's payment for mine. One will serve. I would not blind you. I plan to make a gift of it to my mother. No. Then you are craven as well as a traitor.
3: Not here. Give me your
2: eye,
1: or I will take it, boss. Not in my hall.
2: But then
0: at the end of the day,
2: Neither one of them can control these things.
0: Yeah, and I and it, there's interesting parallels, right? Like, what we've got is that there's so much that happens um, by virtue of mistakes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, obviously we have Viserys the thinking he's talking to, uh, you know, Rhaenyra, and he ends up really talking to Alicent, and so that mm-hmm. sort of sets in motion, um, you know, Aegon's coronation, and and in this case, you know, it's like, okay, well these two young boys are and you know, they have a history and they're kind of but but they're not just boys right you're like because they even refer i think renee even refers them as like men when she's sending them out and uh but they're but they are kids right mm-hmm. and so they're not really ready for this and i think there's there was a a, a good moment. like, there's so much um tied together i think there were so many parallels and uh and metaphors working, you know, when they talk about their dragons, oh, our dragons are not trained for war; like they're not ready for mm-hmm. war, right? And, and that can be said for everybody at this right. point. Yeah, to some they've degree. all been right. Yeah, even I, mean, I
2: think this show's done a good job to point out that even most of the knights of the kingdom mm-hmm. are not; they've never been tested. And one of the you know the yeah, few people so. that have been tested
0: are the people who have like gone over to fight the Triarchy or whatever. Right, and they have this. There's this. You know, okay, like people like Damon may be willing, but you know, willingness is one thing. You know, Mm -hmm. and and, like you're talking about getting these these uh, weapons, these weapons, these tools of war. But the people are tools of war too, and um, and they're just not they're not ready for this, Mm -hmm. right? And across the board, like it's easy to sit there and just say, well, it's the kids that aren't ready for this, but but. That's kind of how it goes. I mean, it's it's whether it's the kids or whether it's the adults. I mean, there's an assumption, right? That okay, well, you're in control of these dragons. Well, then now we see what happens. Like, well, what happens if you lose just a little bit of control of the dragons? Well, then you have like you might as well have zero control. Of well, the dragons, yeah, right? I mean,
2: and, and it's of course from per, the perception game of this is that does Renera really care that Amon didn't intend to chomp Luke?
0: Right, this whole situation is is completely avoided if everybody just does what they were supposed to have done <laughs> from Viserys's, you know, right. decree, okay. right? So this whole thing is like, well, regardless, Aemon was in a position to do this. Even if he comes and goes, I was, it was a big yeah. old dragon whoopsie-daisy, and they're like, well, okay. But no, you were there with your dragon.
2: And then the question is, if you're Aemon and your reputation is that you're the new badass in town, do you want to say I lost control of my dragon, or do you want to come back and say, "Oh no, right, that's what happens when you take out my eye. I, I, I chomp you."
0: Well, well, yeah, and it's a tough one too because then it, it, with that same thing, though that that comes that comes with it. The all right, well, so you were willing to go ahead and essentially light the light the match, you know, strike mm-hmm. the match that started this war, because that's the other side of it, right? It's like if he if he you know if he owns it as as this was my intention, it's like okay, well then, well you you know what is that considered I mean that that's him acting on his own behalf and, and setting the the dance of dragons in place right so it it creates a very um, to me that's maybe one of the one of the more intriguing parts of of, of the cliffhanger right I mean obviously I think the the idea that we're finishing this the season with uh-oh wars are coming i mean i think we knew wars a coming just by virtue of the lore yeah i was surrounded i'm right?
2: kind of surprised i thought that they would. i thought that the whole purpose of the time jumps was to get us to the civil war season one mm-hmm. um but i mean i'm i'm pretty i'm pretty intrigued i mean they, they yeah they couldn't have ended I, I, the yeah. season any different i mean because this show is so invested in the motives and the emotionality of the characters, that the cliffhanger isn't—you know—what are these armies going to do? We kind of know what they're going to do. The the cliffhanger is now that you've pushed Renera to the brink, what's she going to look like as a full blown dragon? Right, and and that's exactly where they leave us at the end of the episode.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I and that's so that's where you know so there's that element right, and then there's just the the whole. How do how do the the greens position themselves in this? Because yeah, you know, from you know from Otto's perspective, I don't think he really cares. Right? He's like, look, I've just been trying to get this thing going. Right? I mean, it'd, it'd be great to to not have. I mean, I, if it had been up to Otto, it would have just been probably like, let's just go while nobody's expecting and just wipe them out. Right? That that would probably have been the original plan, is what it seemed mm-hmm. like. But then Allison sort of delays that. Um, by trying to find a, a peaceful... You know, well, if, you've got you know, appealing both people, to
2: both women. You know, is R- trying to hold back. You know, all the men around her are pushing for war. Yeah. And then on the other side, Alicent is like, of course we need to, uh, you know, put my son on the throne, but we're not going to assassinate my best friend in the night. You know, so they're both kind of trying to maintain the civility between them, and they kind of both know it's impossible,
0: I think. Renera really has learned from her father, right? I mean, her father made it, you know, like was he made it clear that he'd be willing to do, to concede things that maybe other kings wouldn't have, because to be a true leader is to maintain peace, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I think that there was it le- was at least on the table for Renera to, to look at the greater good, and say, well, you know, may- maybe you know, maybe the best way that I can unite the realm is to not do any more to divide it and and which is you know which which you could argue is an you know one of the most impressive leadership skills right to put aside one's own ego or what they believe is they're entitled to in order to to just keep peace for the for for the most right feels like that might have at least it was being considered right i don't know if that was you know I don't think you could be married to Damon and have that work.
2: Well, here's (laughs) the thing about it is that I think that there's this, and I, and I, and I have subscribe to this theory is I would say that war should always be a last resort. And then the Mm -hmm. question is, how do you make it the last resort and also win the war? Because,
0: Mm.
2: you know, strategically, you usually win the war by deceiving the other people. Um, right take you know taking advantage of surprise attacking when they're not expecting you to attack using tactics that you know that that aren't choreographed um but if it's the last resort then basically you are waiting and waiting and waiting and someone like Damon's going to be like what are you waiting for man are are we yeah. are we are we about half measures here or sh- or should we just do what we need to do
0: yeah and then you could also argue too that's like well last resort becomes you know that's a those goalposts can can shift because you can say, well, it may be early, but this is our last resort in the sense that if we go any further, we'll lose. Mm-hmm. So it like you, you could argue that Otto is not wrong, <laughs> you know, in terms of his if, his strategy. If if this is where we're going, then this is how we have to do it. Well, right? Otto's
2: he, Otto's dealing from a position of power, in so much as you know, the, his whole speech, his whole speech was, "Aegon sits the Iron Throne." He's got the right crown and the right name and the right sword, and he he looks the part, and he's a guy. If nothing happens, his
0: guy wins. Right, and also it's like, and now I mean, regardless of what you may think is right, possession is nine tenths. He's he's the king. Absolutely. So it, yep. so your any move you do now is is optically, you know, whether you know spiritually is one thing, but optically it's your. You're trying to stage a coup. Yeah, no, you. Because uh, everything, everything that calls a king a king has happened.
2: Yeah, and so Renera is left to either stay on Dragonstone or plot a conquest, because that's the only way to get her onto the Iron Throne. And honestly, I don't even think she wants it. I don't think either. It's kind of funny. She doesn't really care. I mean, I think she mm-hmm. thinks it's the best for the kingdom. But it's not like she is, she has these, like she's personally ambitious. I don't think. And then Aegon absolutely didn't want it. I mean, he, he right. wanted out. This guy, this guy wanted to be sipping piña coladas and, you know, Essos or something. So,
0: it, it but. Yeah, I mean, right now, there's there, you, the people you know that definitely want it are, you know, Amon, um, yeah, Otto, Eamund, uh Damon. Corliss, Damon, Corliss, probably.
2: I th- yeah, it's funny. It's it's like
0: uh there there are He wants a piece of it.
2: I think that da- it's if it, it's almost if it was anyone else, if it wasn't the High Towers, Damon would probably not care. Mm-hmm. Uh but oh my gosh, there's no way he's gonna let Otto win. There's just no way he's right. gonna let Otto win. <laughs>
3: Here are the highlights coming up this week on Bald Move. Our coverage of Hot d Fire and Blood, and the 1980s Shogun miniseries continues. But then on Tuesday, for the first time in 35 years, we asked a question, who framed Roger Rabbit? Hop aboard the train to Toontown as we revisit this incredible blending of live action and animation to see if it still holds up all this time later. Then on Wednesday, we get our first look at Blake Crouch's mind-bending sci-fi series, Dark Matter. The first two episodes drop simultaneously on apple tv plus and we'll have a pair of podcasts quantumly linked ready for you to observe you can find these and many other great podcasts by searching for bald move pulp or bald move prestige in your favorite podcast app
2: Okay, I think I should get to the uh, storylines here. Source one's Renera's motherhood. Young Luke looks over the painted table and complains that he doesn't want Driftmark. Renera and her son share a moment. Renice shows up and tells her the bad news and the worst news. Damon asks how his brother died and accuses Alicent of killing the king. Renera goes into labor prematurely. She calls for her sons. Tells Jace that he's going to inherit the kingdom, and tells him to hold aggression until she commands it. Then she gives birth to a stillborn child. So this is a clear parallel to the first episode too, right? Right. And of course, you know the the whole, you know her mother's instructions. The you know the the birthing bed is the battlefield for women, right? Um, And then of course, but we have. We have both in this episode. She has she has to fight that battle in the birthing bed, and she also has to decide whether she's going to actually go to literal war as well. Um, so she she it's hard. It's hard.
0: It's hard having a family <laughs> and a career at the same time. That's right. Try to have work life balances. <laughs> Not easy in Westeros. <laughs> I, I mean, their healthcare is lacking. I mean, this clearly got an HMO. So in this
2: scene, uh, Renice gives an explanation to my, my big problem with the last episode was, you know, d- why why did you want Renice to do the spectacle? You know, wh- why mm-hmm. why did Renice bust through the floor, kill a bunch of commoners, and then s- stop shy of pulling the trigger? And I think that we got our answer in this episode. And you, you, I think you even called it out. You're like, maybe we don't understand her motives now, but my hope is that we'll get a little bit of explanation in the season finale. The war of a
4: queen murdered my brother and stole his throne, and you could have burnt more for it.
3: A war is like to be fought over this treachery to be sure. But that war is not mine to begin. I only rushed this morning to you out of
2: loyalty to my husband and to my house. Did that help you at all?
0: Yeah, it, it did. I mean, and I... Because um, I, I think I was a little bit more on board with with some of her actions, or at least lack of action in that in that time. And I think that that does... Because that... It, well, especially when you see what happens at the end here, right? I mean, this inadvertent uh, cause, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that, you know, and again... It, it, there was an inevitability, right? And I think that, and I think that's kind of what she's suggesting too. Is like, look, that this is this is inevitable, but as I mean, I have to be the one to to start it off.
2: Well, and she's a political animal. Renice is a political animal, and she knows. Okay, they're going to probably go to war, but they're not. Gonna, I don't want them blaming it on me.
0: Yeah, and I get. The, I want to have. I want to be able to choose what side. Yeah, uh, that helps, right? Well, and, I think even um, more than
2: that, I think she wants her husband husband to be able to have a say in it, right? Um, cause she waits, you know, she doesn't even bow. She does not even bow to the, to the coronation of Renera until her right. husband decides to throw his weight behind her. So I, I think I, it was, I think it's a smart play on her part. I think it did actually help me because I thought the greens are beholden to Renice because they owe their lives to her, right? She could have killed them and she didn't. Right. And then, of course, Renera is beholden to Renice now because she brought her the the, the news, and then eventually she sided with. So I, I think she's in a good position politically, anyway.
0: Yeah, and assuming that everybody's playing, you know, by these rules of the game, you know, there should be some, like we said, like I don't know, a protection, but the idea that there was like, okay, there is a, the recognition that she could have, but she didn't, so therefore. Um, let's hear her out. Mm-hmm. Type of type of scenario, right? I mean, that's um, uh, that that holds a bigger. I mean, because I mean, yeah, to, to cook a bunch of people with the dragon, that's easy. The fallout, maybe not so much. Um, whereas now, you know, the, the complication is sort of hers to wield. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: The other thing that happens in this opening scene or scenes is that the Brunera gives birth, and I just thought I would read you. The description of this from Fire and Blood, because a little, it's very similar. A couple notable notable differences here. The princess shrieked curses through her labor, calling down the wrath of the gods upon her half brothers and her mother and the queen, and detailing the torments she would inflict upon them before she would let them die. She cursed the child inside her too, Mushroom tells us. And shouting monster monster get out get out get out. When the babe at last came forth, she proved indeed a monster, a stillborn girl, twisted and malformed, with a hole in her chest where her heart should have been, and a stubby, scaled tail. Hmm. So it almost the, the, the daughter almost comes out dragonish. Right, and this is a little bit, uh, you know, it's part of this Targaryen history that every now and again, they actually do give birth to these stillborn dragon creatures. Um, And I don't know if you remember this from season one, but that's that's what exactly what happens to Danny. That's right. Anyway, I thought it was interesting that they played with that again. I didn't see that exactly in the show. Right. Um. So I guess the question is, would that have, like, for me, that would sort of lean into the magic a little bit. I think there is some kind of consequence to the dragon magic for these Targaryens. Um, Of course, the show didn't do that, so.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting that they opted not to. And, you know, we talk about magic a lot. I mean, the dragons are the magic, but that's kind of been the extent so far, right? I mean, it's interestingly grounded in, uh, uh, like, Anything that's considered magical is almost considered uh, old world superstition. Well, and you, but you've got the prophecy got stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. So the
2: prophecy stuff is there. And I think that there's something about... it's, it's If you look at that scene where she's giving birth, there is a kind of... Intercutting between the dragon growling, Drag, yeah, the
0: dragon, the dragon imagery, yeah, and,
2: and almost as if she's sort of like I don't know. It's it's funny because in the first episode of the season there was a it, you're cutting back and forth between the tournament, right, and and the uh, the you know the the C section scene. So they were doing something similar with this one, and I think it's it's meant to tell us something about. This sort of the the dragonish bit of her character, I I don't really know what to well, do. Well, if you that.
0: look, if you so one of the things we really liked about the uh, that first scene, the the C section, and how it was juxtaposed with the um, uh, the tournament, yeah. there is, it is a couple of things, right? I mean, because it, it, we have an explicit comparison of like this is the war room, mm-hmm. you know, for for women in this world is is the birthing room, mm-hmm. so you, you have that sort of balanced right like you've got the actual like like men playing war while a woman is actually going through what would be considered the real war if you really you know followed their their comparison but on the you know but also with that is the fact that they are playing war so the men are are off doing this thing and they're 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 forming real you know uh spats and angry moments with each other but it's still done in a game Mm -hmm. right and so and, and that kind of explains where they're at as a uh, as a people, right? We keep talking about how Viserys wanted to be, you know, the king of, with some sort of special battle, but instead he's the king of peace, which is pretty pretty great. But it also creates a disadvantage to some degree when it comes time for a war to actually take place. And so you've got all these guys that are adept at playing war, but not necessarily really doing the war, and and maybe paying the price that of what it would take to actually do it. Whereas now you have a, a woman actually dying in her battlefield. So there's something really kind of poetic about that. And then now we have this other, so we have this other scene sort of bookends where no one's, renera has got the agency that, that uh, her mother did not have. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, Viserys is making the decision. The maesters are helping to make this decision. She's pushing everybody away. She doesn't want anybody helping. Uh, she calls in her boy. She she she's running that, and so even though that the the end result becomes this this tragic result, I think that showing the juxtaposition of instead of it being juxtaposed with say uh, like a battle scene, it's the battle side of her, the other side of her, right? Mm-hmm. This is the if she's a dragon, if she you know, so her juxtaposition is to herself as opposed to being a comparison uh, hmm. to what the men are that's doing. That's interesting. So I I, th- I, th- I thought I, that's how I was taking that, where it was like. Every With every every contraction, every bit of pain, the dragon was kind of coming alive at that point. Right. And so that was a certain, so it was, was like, okay, this, you know, your days of, of doing this type of battle, the womanly birthing room battle, they're coming to an end because now it's time for you to be a dragon.
2: Yeah, I think I wasn't quite sure what to do. I'm not sure the story that they were trying to, they were definitely trying to do something, but I think that helps me. All right, this next storyline is Damon plans for war even plans for war and ignores Jace when he brings commands from his mother. He asks two members of the King's Guard to swear oaths to Renera as queen. Then he and Renera oversee a pyre for the child's corpse. Eric shows up with Vaseris' crown, all but Renice Neil. Later she presides over the painted table and takes stock of allies and enemies. Otto shows up to deliver terms. Rhaenyra flies in and says she will answer terms tomorrow. I I thought this was a fantastic scene.
4: Aegon Targaryen sits the Iron Throne. He wears the Conqueror's crown, wields the Conqueror's sword, has the Conqueror's name. He was anointed by a Septon of the Faith before the eyes of thousands. Every symbol of legitimacy belongs to him. And then there is Stark, Tully, Baratheon, houses that have also received and are at present considering generous terms from their king. Stark, Tully and Baratheon all swore to me when King Viserys named me his heir. Stale oaths will not put you on the Iron Throne, Princess. The succession changed the day your father sired a son. I only regret that you and he were the last to see the truth of it. You are no more hand than of this king. Fucking traitor! Grand Maester. The fuck is this? Queen Alicent has not forgotten the love you once had for each other. No blood need be spilled. The realm can carry on in peace. Queen Alicent eagerly awaits your answer. She can have her answer now, stuffed in her father's mouth, along with his withered cock. Let's end this mummers as
2: Sir Eric, bring me Lord Hightower, so I may take the pleasure myself. The of course now we have a callback it, it's it, a lot of a lot of episodes got called back in this yeah if, now this yeah, one was a callback sure. to episode i think two two maybe where you have her fly in and like she did before and the whole thing happens on a bridge and you've got Otto and damon on opposite sides again and they want to fight and they they continue to want and fight. and she's gonna be the one to like to say no Oh, and you the also had the, the page. The page was a callback to episode one, right? the the the, the illustrated page from oh, yeah, one yeah. of the books that Allison sent to Renera. Right. I thought it was interesting that this really sets up the problem, Luke's problem as an envoy later on. Because what's to stop them from killing? You know, what's to stop them from cooking Otto right there and then? Right. The only thing that stop them is sort of the the agreed upon social contract. The envoys are not fair game. They, you know, they didn't come as warriors; they came as messengers. They get to leave as messengers. That's how we do business here in Westeros. Right. And of course, later on, you know that that's why exactly why Rhaenyra thinks it's safe to send her children.
0: Out as envoys, they, they've got the protection of just these these agreements and understandings, right? And that's again, there's so much about this world that, like, as soon as that becomes no longer the case, then all bets are off. Well, on.
2: it's it's interesting because she also it's so Luke goes in as an envoy, and she think she thinks, well, he'll he'll be safe because they won't kill a a boy, and they won't kill their own kin because he's got a little bit of Baratheon blood in him. And these are all kind of social contracts. But then of course, when he gets to Storm's End, Boros basically says, My oath is nothing. Like I, I don't I don't care what my father swore, what can you bring to me? Right? So it's it's interesting, they all kind of agree to adhere by this these social contracts until there's something to be gained by breaking them. Right um i mean i guess it's like our world too but it, it just it just seems like why why are you so confident that your son's gonna be fine flying around the
0: kingdom but that's i think that's part of that's another thing that that is the um byproduct of viserys's reign as well it's like when you're living in peace it's like hey, everyone will just do whatever we're just expecting everyone to just do what they're supposed yeah. to do um and then, but as soon as, you know, from everybody else's perspective, it's like, oh, there's a fight over who's going to be king. It's like, well, you know what, then, then let them fight. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> because it's, there's the other part of that is like, all right, I mean, we can, we can talk about allegiances. But I mean, if, if the Targaryen family is split, then, you know, why should they be leaders then? And so it, it opens up a certain, uh, you know, a fissure for, yeah. for yeah, uh, yeah. other, other people to maybe put their situation, you know, to, to insert themselves into the equation.
2: Right, and Damon Damon's almost willing to do that as well. I mean, we know that he he's the kind of guy that fights dirty anyway, but he wants to draw swords. He wants to he wants to test the steel against Otto right there on the bridge. Yeah, and, and he it, has to be kind of reined in by Renera in order to like. It's almost like there is no social contract that that guy won't break. He'll just right. always do what feels right right then.
0: And, I mean, whether it's a bit of a death wish or what, I mean, we've seen him, like, when he goes after the crab feeder, I mean, it, you know, he's willing, right, regardless, and whether it's wise or whether it's tactically sound, he's willing, Mm -hmm. and whether it's, whether it's he doesn't care if he dies or, or he thinks he's, you know, he thinks he's just somehow protected because of his Targaryen blood or whatever it may be, he's gonna, he doesn't, he he can he can start a war, mm-hmm. you know, and he's like, and he's all because he believes he can finish it, or he doesn't care if he doesn't. <laughs> it's just one of yeah, those. I, I'm
2: gonna die. Yeah. I'm gonna die a dragon rider's death, something like
0: that. Right, and so for him, it was it's like he's not seeing his actions as oh, if I do this, then a war has started, because he's as far as he's concerned, the war has started.
2: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, They've already declared war. That's what he says to her. It's no
4: easy thing for a man to be a dragon slayer. But dragons can kill dragons and have. The simple truth is this. We have more dragons than Egon.
0: Viserys spoke often of the Valyrian histories. I know them well. When dragons flew to war, everything burned. I do not wish to rule over a kingdom of ash and bone...
4: Are you considering the High Tower's terms, Your Grace?
0: As Queen, what is my true duty to the realm, Lord Bartimus? Ensuring peace and unity, or that I sit the Iron Throne no matter the cost?
1: What's your father talking?
0: My father's dead. And he chose me as his successor.
2: To defend the realm, not cast it headlong into war. Well, the enemy have declared war.
4: What are you going to do about it?
2: Clear the room. In fact, I think this even earlier on if you if you rewind just a little bit, when she is presiding over the table, he just says I will go treat with the Tolleys myself. He doesn't ask, he doesn't suggest like this would be a good thing for me to do. What do you think I should do? He just says that he's going to do it as if he's in charge. Right. And that's kind of how he always operates. That's how he operated with his brother when his brother was king. You know, he just he does he's not the kind of guy that asked for permission. And you kind of see that look she gives him. And it's a little bit like he's testing her like, I want to see how far my authority goes with you. Right. Now, not now you're not just my niece, you're not just my wife. You, now you're the queen, and I don't do well under authority. Right. Um. So you almost see that shift, and of course and that. I'll, and, foresh- I'll, and I'll
0: protect your claim. Yeah. In so much as it means that I'm right there.
2: Yeah. I. This is the war he's been waiting for, and and he he's not going to tolerate anything he perceives as weakness, which he always did. He always perceived that of his brother, right? He always right. perceived this. V- and, and when she starts to act like Viserys, that's
0: just yeah. That sets him off.
2: That sets them up. so that brings us to the next one. So this is Damon's second act of domestic violence. Renera and Damon argue over the prospect of war. She clears the room and refers to the prophecy. Damon chokes his queen slash wife slash niece. <laughs> she realizes that he is completely ignorant about the Song of Ice and Fire. He leaves the room and goes to a cave where he sings to a strange
0: dragon. That should be a sexual metaphor for something. <laughs> singing to the strange dragon.
2: Yeah, yeah, just, you know, late night last night singing to the strange dragon. <laughs>
0: and you know, you even have a dragon of your own. <laughs> it's my side dragon. It's my side dragon. <laughs> Call him yes. a side beast, it would have been better. Yeah, it's
2: a, it's a little curious he cuz he already has a dragon.
0: Yeah, but you know, so he's been so he's been having, and we did see that uh episode where he went up and collected some eggs. And so yep. we know that he's been he's been sort of prepping for this, right? Kind yeah. of which is which is interesting because we talk about how he usually operates with a certain amount of uh you know, just sort of freeform jazz, imp- mm-hmm. improvisation. But he does have but he does have the capability we see to to sort of plan, which I, you know, put some sort of a, a, a in a, a, I like that he and Otto are at such odds. Cause as we found out that Otto had been planning this whole thing to get Aegon on there before, you know, Allison had her, her, uh, you know, grand misunderstanding.
2: Mm-hmm. But so
0: now we find out that, that there's something, whether it was for this purpose or not, uh, it's, it was for a purpose and it would have, in and, and, and it would suggest war or at least control to have more dragons at your disposal. So, again, it could be one of these things where he sort of had a plan, but mm-hmm. he wasn't really sure how he was going to execute it, um, that's, this cert- and that's this, this certainly complicates thing. it. Yeah. That's his whole thing.
2: And I should say, like, I, I've got a couple emails of people who are accusing me of kind of being a closet green adherent. I I am not. I I do not. I, I'm watching this show like it's Magneto versus Stryker or <laughs> Saul Goodman versus Gustavo Fring or whatever. I, I don't think that one side is any better than the other. But here's the thing that I would just point out: Damon chokes <laughs> Raniere. <laughs> yeah, chokes her. He ch- I and mean, he. It's not like subtle. It's not like he like. Right. It's it's he chokes her and then he keeps choking her. Right. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. It's. Pretty yeah, bad. It wasn't like a, oh man, I kinda I kinda lost myself there. It was like, no, I'm I planned on choking you and I'm gonna keep choking you until I say I'm not gonna choke you anymore.
2: That's right. Yeah, that's right. And this and we I think that we are in agreement that he kills his wife, right? He killed right. his first wife. Yeah, I mean this is part of the this is part of the greens and blacks issue. It's like you might think that this guy's cool, but you can't tell me he's not evil. He's absolutely
0: right. as evil as sin. And whose side is he really on? I mean, is he right? He, he's on his side. He's on
2: he's, he's on the chaos tornado side. That that's yeah. that's what he that's what he is, and that's his only side, basically. So I just I just want to make sure that we we all know what kind of show we're watching. You know, no right. no one, and you know these these queens. You know, Renera's less evil for sure, and Allison's a bit less evil, but they're surrounding themselves with monsters right same for Allison if you if you're gonna be showing your little piggies to Laris you're gonna see some stuff burn down
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's what right. he does yeah so yeah I think as soon as you knew the terms of the uh, of the exchange you probably should have been like a little bit on the, huh you know I was gonna offer you money but this isn't I mean while well, this saves me money I, I feel like it still costing me a little bit yeah
2: <laughs> <This, laughs> I'm spending a lot of money on rebuilding these burnt castles.
0: <laughs> like I never, never go to Starbucks, and I'm like, oh, I'm like, I'm short a penny, and there's like, you know, you know, give a penny, take a penny, or you know, need a penny, take a penny. But there's another thing where you just like show me your toes, and I'll we'll call it good. <laughs> I just don't go to that Starbucks anymore. It's like,
2: <laughs> you get like the the punch card.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> how
2: m- how many toes have you shown today?
0: That's right. It's always the eleventh. The eleventh one's always free.
2: So I think, in addition, I think we should say that in the very first episode, I think I called out Damon as like a creature of insecurity. Um, When she mentions the prophecy to him, and he realizes she knows something I don't, and Viserys entrusted her with something that he would never entrust me with. I really feel like he's lashing out at Viserys. Mm, yeah. Um, and he even he even says it. He says...
4: My brother was a slave to his island's importance. Anything to make his feckless reign appear to have purpose. <laughs> Dreams didn't make us kings. Dragons did.
2: So I feel like when he sees visiris in her that's when he gets violent of course he never got violent with his brother so there's i mean that should be called out as well right
0: yeah it's further compounds the whole notion of this split family situation right and so throughout the kingdom this is what they're what they're gonna see and it's like we we saw that with uh, the valerians at one point the divisions amongst them and then now it's like if it's <laughs> we're about to go to civil war and you've got Damon and Rhaenyra, you know literally at each other's throats that could be a problem
2: right and I, it's, her response is kind of interesting her response is not to say off with your hand right. you do, you don't you don't touch the queen now you lose your fingers or something which she totally could do she kind of looks at him and says Oh, he never told you,
0: right? That was that was the bigger biggest takeaway for, for her her. That I mean, there you know, to, to suggest that a Targaryen relationship is a functional one would be folly. So, uh, <laughs> I, I I think that that's been one of the things. That's, and yet,
2: that, I think that maybe this is the first time he's actually been violent with it's possible, her. Yeah. I, she 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 seems shocked right. by by the thing. I mean, we know that he's capable of domestic violence, and maybe she knows too. I don't know. I don't. I don't really get these Targaryens. Like I said, they're kind of an exotic species. Right. Um. Little, little bit of uh, lore here. So when he's singing to the dragon, mm-hmm. one of the lines he says is, the price has been paid with blood magic. And they didn't do like subtitles for that. So I think it kind of underscores this idea that the Targaryens have kind of made a little deal with the devil in order to make get this connection with the dragons, hmm. um, and I think in this episode you you see maybe one of the the outworkings of you know the consequences that they have to. This episode is kind of begins with the consequence of Rhaenyra becoming a dragon, and and the stillborn child kind of reveals like. She's not. This is not a normal birth, right? And then at the end of it, these boys can't control the dragons. And Viserys is absolutely right. Like, control the dragons is an illusion. It's almost like, no, we made
0: a deal with the devil,
2: um, in order to connect with these dragons, and there's a price to be paid.
0: Yeah, and, and... it feels like, if, like that's all part of you know. I mean, what's it, it, so clever about this? Um episode like on the surface right you're like it's easy to just say okay this is this is how how the civil war gets kicked off right and whether you know it, like it doesn't almost doesn't matter the uh the why it's just the the, the the how or the what that's what happened right like so now we you know the Amon's dragon killed uh luke on his dragon they don't care how he got there that's that's it's go time right so that that's mm-hmm. sort of what you get but if you go further what makes this even more um, intriguing, especially when you know where, where like, the overall history of where this goes, and go, well, how come, you know, why couldn't a family that's got a bunch of dragons just rule in perpetuity, and you, you kind of understand that this is, it's not just the fracturing of the, the family, but it's, we're really seeing so much about how invested they are in these dragons, and how little they understand. Like, how much, how much yeah, they just they assume. Absolutely. They just assume we're Targaryens. Yeah. And so... What's Damon's big thing? Damon's all about like they say it on both sides, both like hey, getting a dragon, giving up a kid's eye for a dragon. Hey man, dragons are where it's at. So everybody buys into the dragon thing, and so Damon is all in on this dragon concept. But we get the end. I mean, the two biggest things of the of the end is you know well what happens next, obviously with with how they position themselves after Eamon's dragon kill. But it's more the like hey, we the big reveal at the end of this episode is these dragons. You don't have as much control over them as you think, and if you're all in on that, this could be a problem for everyone. Yeah,
2: dragons are creatures of war, and you could say the same thing about Targaryen. Mm -hmm. They don't handle peace very well. They are going to go to war. Eventually, these dragons are going to want a little bit of blood, or a lot of blood, and you're going to see it. So... It ain't called Fire and Blood for nothing. Yeah. Next storyline is Renee- Renice and Corliss. Corliss wakes up Renice explains the death of Viserys and Vaymont. Corliss suggests that House Valerion remains neutral. Renice leans on her husband to support Rhaenyra. They both arrive on Dragonstone and swear allegiance to the queen. Then Corliss announces that they now control the Narrow Sea. This was the one part of the episode that I was disappointed mm. in. I feel like this needed to breathe. This guy all right, so he wakes up, he still thinks Renera killed his son. Mm-hmm. And now he's heard that Damon beheaded his brother. And he's not a little bit reluctant. <laughs> <laughs> I guess he he felt bad that he left his wife behind, but if you really believe that this woman killed your, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I, I don't get his motivations. I feel like this needed like a, a good ten minutes of legit argument arguing to to kind of make this make his motives make sense.
0: Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, this this that you know. Looking back now, you mentioned that it's like yeah, I guess there is a bit of a of a pacing concern there in terms of just getting us to where we need to be. But, um, yeah, I mean, that is, it, it does sort of just move things along, but I, I, I guess I also read that, where I Maybe it didn't impact me so much It's like, well, I mean, you're gonna have to pick a side. So the more, you, the more time you take that probably not, not the best idea. So some, you're going to have to do I get, something. I get something.
2: it. I mean, it, yeah, I can see that. I, I just feel like, and I think there was a lot, there was an interesting dialogue that, Needed to happen in that spot. Yeah, I guess I, I, for me, quick. I think
0: it really again. Uh, maybe I again putting my own. You know, maybe I'm defending or whatever. But I, I, I kind of got that like, oh, I'm so mad. I had to leave because you know my my I've lost my children and oh it's at the hands of this person. It's like, all right, well, you know, you're gonna have to suck it up, homeboy. This is how the game is played. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. there is you know as much as we like to think that that there's this much concern over children and spouses and this and that, that's not the world that they live in, right? And you don't have the luxury of being able to just say, well, I'm going to go on a walkabout until I, you know, because I've I've lost my kid. It's like, no, you got to come back here, limp your way in there and swear some allegiance. We got a battle to fight, right? Like, because everything is always at stake when it comes to this type of stuff. So that's, that's kind of, and, and maybe that's also the, the juxtaposition of, yeah, maybe in a Viserys's world where things are a little more peaceful and maybe people sort of swallow their pride a little bit more just for the for the mm-hmm. greater good, you could take some time off to you could take some bereavement days off. Um, but that's not the world we're living right now. So so. Yeah. So I mean, whether or not that was the intention, I mean, I that's kind of why I was like, I feel well trained in this world to be like, yeah, no, that would be great if you could love your spouse. But that's not how it's going to work. Marry your sister. Let's go. <laughs> I think I you know, what? now that I think
2: about it, I think I accused Corliss in the past of being someone who's so interested in legacy that he doesn't necessarily care about his children as much. Mm-hmm. This kind of fits with that. Like, he's thinking, like, well, if there's a war to be fought, let's think about let's, let's think about the long game here. Mm. And that brings us to our final storyline, and that is Luke and Luke versus Amond. Luke shares another moment with his mother before he flies to Storm's End. Both he and his brother swear not to fight while they are out as messengers. Luke arrives. To the seat of House Baratheon, and notices that Aemond and Vagar are already there. Lord Boros calls for the Bloody Maester, who reads Renear's letter. Boros is insulted and sends the pup home.
4: Remind me of my father's oath. King Aegon at least came with an offer: my swords and banners for a marriage pact. If I do as your mother bids. Which one of my daughters will you wed?
1: Boy?
3: My lord, I am not free to marry. I'm already betrothed.
4: So you come with empty hands. Go home, pup.
2: Aemond reveals his sapphire eye and demands Luke's eye as payback. Luke flies away. And is pursued by Aemon. Both on Dragonback, they lose control of the dragons, and Luke gets chomped. Damon delivers the news to Renera, and she transforms into Beatrix Kiddo. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the Sapphire Eye. <laughs> yeah, Aemon Davis Jr. <laughs> <laughs> I so I I was waiting for that. I like I as a book reader, I was like, I want to see that eye. Oh, Can yeah. you th- show me that sapphire eye? Is, <laughs> did that make him seem like a badass or a monster or something somewhere in between, or or, or did, were
0: you just laughing? <laughs> I was just not expecting it. You were expecting the like. We've already had the eye socket reveal from Viserys, right? So I'm like, oh, here comes yeah, sure. here comes <laughs> gross eye, and then I'm like, oh no, he's, uh, he's Terminator. <laughs> <laughs> He was a little bit
2: Terminator, yeah, yeah, wasn't he?
0: There's, there's a
2: certain mystique to an
0: eye patch. But I'm like, look, man, right? I got a sapphire, sapphire eye. Hide it under a bushel? No, I'm gonna let it shine. Well, and he does it so he can reveal right, it, right? So you that's know, it's, like, it's, it's like a, it's,
2: it's, he's a showman. Yeah. He's like, I'm gonna have a sapphire eye, but I'm not just gonna, I'm just gonna bring out the sapphire eye only when I <laughs> I'm at the peak
0: of emotionality. The eye patch is the Tinder profile. And it's like, if you want to see what's underneath it, you're going to have to swipe appropriately.
2: <laughs>
0: so if you lost an eye mm-hmm. and you could go for the glass eye or the eye patch, what do you do? Well, I mean, <laughs> are we are talking glass eye or sapphire eye? Because like if I can go and they put out a bunch of different eyes. You ever see Last Action Hero? I don't think I have, no. Oh, that surprises me. So, last action hero, and the reason why it's is that Charles Dance plays. I believe he plays a he pees in it. I believe he plays the character that has multiple fake eyeballs.
2: (laughs) Oh, I think we got a cocoons of horror
0: (laughs) appointment here. Yeah, he uh, he has all these like glass eyes, and I think they do they serve functions. Like at one point, he has like a happy face eyeball. Hmm. Yeah.
2: So you so you would go with the assortment of oh if I of, could do assortments of, of eyes, eyes. Oh, yeah,
0: for sure yeah. I would uh, you like would match your eyes to your foot well oh, yeah and yeah not yeah I mean I, I think that that would be the way to go because um, I was always
2: I'd always thought like eye patch is the way to go because
0: I know that they make these things very realistic well that's now. the difference between a glass eye where you, people are asking questions versus an eye that looks like an eight ball <laughs> and you look at somebody like that and they go not only do I know for sure that's not uh. A real eye, but I know for sure that that dude parties. <laughs> so when I saw the
2: the silhouette of the bigger dragon, that was great flying over top. Oh my god, I mean, really the put into perspective how big it was, you know. Um, but of course, that brings us to dismemberment count. Well, I mean, Luke gets
0: chunked yeah, there's probably a lot of dismemberments in one.
2: My guess is that he, you know, he loses at least a leg and an arm, and I, I mean, I didn't see a, I didn't see a head. Yeah, he's dragon. He's sufficiently dismembered. Yeah. And then, of course, the other dragon gets chomped. So, RX or Eryx or whatever mm-hmm. gets, uh, gets chomped, and so dismembered. And um, Cheekspeak again, the Undertaker. Yeah. It. And you know what? That that should. I, I I should mention, like, consistently this show has shied away from the cheeks, and even though it's sort of maybe a little bit less sexy for our content, I feel like I enjoy that better. I feel like one of the things that Game of Thrones did was, we're not sure if regular people who don't like fantasy are going to be interested Let's give you torture and sex, right, and I kind of feel like these guys know that they're gonna get eyeballs they don't need they don't need to do you know pull those old tricks right even though there there are fewer cheeks, I feel like I would be happy if we just kept the count low going
0: right no i agree and i think it may if anything maybe this uh this uh, season has told us that the cheek speak is not it's it's not a uh it's not a it's not a marker that um that the show needs
2: yeah this show is confident enough that it doesn't need to do which is interesting because i think you see that in a lot of hbo shows i think that hbo has historically leaned in that direction all right, so Steve, uh, is this a Dorn, a Dinklage, or a Danny
0: episode? So I, I'm going to go back. So we you mentioned, um, you know, like how the finale is its own genre, right? And and I think so. So you have you know, there's three things that you can consider when you're when mm-hmm. grading this particular episode well, as an episode, as a finale, as a Game of Thrones finale. Because those I think are three. Ah, those end sense. up being three different things, right? Because I think that, like, when we talked about the spectacle that is expected to some degree at the penultimate or some sort of major mm-hmm. death or something, um, then but then it sets up for you know you, you always say I can't imagine that the next episode will be able to top that in the same sense that I'm going to be like on the edge of my seat for a, for an off season, but it usually always did, right. Um, but this last one, because it was like a spectacle that sort of, you know, made it, maybe didn't hit as hard, or it it was a spectacle that maybe was sort of for spectacle only.
2: Are you talking about the penultimate? It,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. That one was very much, even though there was a spectacle, it, it was it sort of broke the rules to the, the, that we were used to because that sort of set up like, no, nope, something mm-hmm. else is coming next, and stay tuned. And so, so I was a little more it felt a little more conventional in some ways as, as we're building towards a finale. So I, I, you know, I'm grading this as a finale for a season. And I, and, and, and I think you can do, I mean, like as an episode, I think it was, it may rank a little higher than mm-hmm. a finale genre. Um, but, uh, that said i don't think it's it's too dramatically different as a game of thrones finale maybe it it fell a little short based on what you learned to expect but i think that we're resetting i think we're resetting expectations for house of the dragon which i think is a good thing um i'd rather be on my toes and you know not have not expect every time that to follow a certain formula uh so i'm going to give this with all that uh as probably as an episode, I'd probably give it a Danny plus two. I think as a finale, I'd say it's oh, properly okay.
2: Danny. All right. So I feel like episode eight was and still is my favorite episode this season. I, I even think that when I was experiencing that, you know, that that, that episode had Visirus's walk to the throne. It had the, the the supper scene, it had the the prophecy at the end. Not the prophecy, but the the, the, you know, the misunderstanding at the end. It had uh, Veymon getting his head chopped off. I knew when I was watching that, that it would take an enormous amount for me to enjoy these last two episodes as much as I enjoyed that episode. For me, that one, fun- number eight, functioned as sort of a Game of Thrones penultimate episode. And then I kind of feel like if you take these two last episodes as bookends, these last two kind of function as a season finale together, you know, it's greens, Mm -hmm. blacks, and then you kind of see the first blood drawn at the end. Right. So I think, I think my expectations were very high, but I will say that. That last exchange between Boros, Baratheon, and, Va- and, and Aemond, and Luke in the, in, at Storm's End, and the dragon sequence at the end of it, that to me was as thrilling as anything that they've done with dragons in all of Game of Thrones and all this series. And so if you can do that, if you can raise the bar with the dragons, I've always wanted more magic in this show. I feel right. like they finally gave me, like, this is what we do with dragons. I feel like you finally paid that off. So I am going to say that this is a properly Dinklage episode. Wow. Okay. Far up. Okay, Steve, I have an Apple iTunes review that I'd like to read to you because it helps clarify our rating system. Mm. This is from Oom um, um Smitty. Always entertaining, five-star review, so thank you, Oom um, Smitty, we appreciate that. Steve and Anthony always bring a balanced mix of insight and humor. One question I have, when rating episodes, how many levels are there between grades? For example, is a Danny plus two just one step below a Dinglish minus minus two? Is a Dorn plus eight better than a Dinglish minus one? Thanks. I thought that was—it's a nice way for us to, you know, it's nice that he left a review. Number one, I appreciate that, and number two, it probably deserves to be clarified that our rating system is meaningless. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, I think that it's, is. It really. I mean, but I think that the meaning that I ascribe to it is that you have to decide. Whether the show is, the baseline of the show is a disappointment, whether it's good or whether it's great. And then you have to qualify what you mean by that. So, let me ask you, is a Dorn plus 8 better or worse than a Dinklage minus 1?
0: I think that... Well, let me ask you this: Is an F plus <laughs> plus 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 plus?
2: No, it's it's better than certainly not. And I will say, like I, I kind of feel like I don't think that we would ever do a Dorn plus eight because if we're doing that, you know, if, if we're going that high, we might as well, you know, we might as well just give it a higher
0: a higher grade, right? Right. Yeah, no, and, and I understand. I think but they we're looking at it. They're looking at it from like an actual spectrum, right? Like so that there are there's a, there's linear, right? And so I I would look at those. You got to look at those as uh as as like they're points on that that spectrum, right? So once you hit, but like you, you as you're traveling, once you hit a certain point, yeah, you know, it's you know, a little
2: bit um it, spinny, It's a little bit like um like in Back to the Future when you got the flex capacitor going then hitting 88 miles an hour means something right but if if you didn't turn it on and you didn't choose a date to travel you could it 88 miles doesn't mean anything at all and you could you could go 90 you could go 95 miles an hour right. it's it's still just your garden variety DeLorean and so when we bump it up to a Danny or a Dinklage it means the flux capacitor's going we're going back to the future we're gonna kiss our mothers that's
0: what that means <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> Why else would you go back?
2: I hope that clears it up, uh, Oom Smitty.
0: Basically, if you go back in time far enough, you'll be, you just be a Targaryen and you'll just kiss anybody in your family.
1: So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so are we doing like a draft like last time? Or are we just. Yeah, I just go back and forth. Um, See, I'm I, I'm gonna be honest with you. I got, one, I got like 14, and I'm like,
2: yeah, I've got crazy. 10, and I was thinking because I thought if you know we might we might double up. We each have to come up with six, and I thought that we could yeah. use the 13th as a wild card. And if if indeed we wanted to do like a first run movie, or if if we need a week off, and we need to insert something into that slot. Is there like a
0: new sequel coming out anytime soon?
2: Yeah, actually, there. This is sort of the year of the sequel. Uh, I mean, Top Gun: Maverick was a sequel, right? And that might yeah that might win a few Oscars. But then we have Avatar, the second Avatar coming oh, out. That's right. And then of course, you know, whatever
0: Marvel. I, oh, Wakanda Forever. That's going to be a big oh, yeah. one. Um, wonder if we, I mean, wonder if there's been a year where there's been more sequels than first runs, at least like in terms of like blockbuster.
2: Absolutely. I mean, all that Marvel. You could almost call yeah. every Marvel movie a sequel. Um. All right. So, Steve, Cocoon's a horror. We, we, we're uh, prepping for season three. Just a little dog jingle, just to kind of remind people what we're all about. <laughs> Yeah, good timing, Django. <laughs> so, uh, let's tell people what we're doing. Okay.
0: Do you Do you want to describe that part? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Could you tell uh, yeah, me what we're, we're doing, please? Yeah. <laughs> this This uh, season is oops, all sequels.
2: <laughs> I thought we would changed the name. It's not going to be cocoons of horror. It'll be secoons of horror. Uh, I'm sure people will find
0: that easier than Cocoons of Horror. Right, yeah. Cocoons 2, but it's T-O-O. <laughs> Cocoons
2: 2, Electric
0: Bukaloo.
2: I'm sure yeah. that that will not confuse anyone. So, all right, so this is, we're going to come up with a dozen between us, a dozen movies to review. Dozen sequels, yes. Uh, and Steve's come up with a few, and I've come up with a few. We're going to take turns selecting sequels there's no other criteria they can be of any genre but they have right. to be a sequel uh so well, should i roll some dice to see who goes first uh sure all right here we go well, that's a goocher, steve okay so- well good night <laughs> sorry sorry everybody
0: there is no season three <laughs> i will let you go first okay yeah, what? Wait, <laughs> he just rolled the dice and said, "Okay, I'll let you go first. What does that even mean? I don't know. Okay, so that was that was completely all right. <laughs> it's that was almost as self indulgent as this podcast. Um all right, with the number one pick, I mean, I, anybody that's been listening to Cocoons of Horror, I think, knows where I'm going with this one. And I, I just I gotta I gotta make sure Kremlins two with the new batch, baby. I
2: was gonna put it on my list and then I thought, you know what? I'm pretty confident this will be Steve's number one pick. <laughs>
0: yeah, no, I uh yeah, it's that's an easy that's an easy call. Much to Heather's chagrin. Uh Kremlins two is getting getting the cocoons treatment. Mm-hmm.
2: I <laughs> I've never seen this. I just know that you're the biggest fan of Gremlins too. Uh <laughs> probably in the
0: world and so I I am looking forward to covering this film with you. And so for listeners too, I mean like obviously we'd love for you to be watching these along with us. Um and if you know, and feel free to, you know, go to whatever had preceded this if you need a little bit of background, right? I mean, will you be do you think you'll be doing that with any of these like for example Gremlins? Will you revisit Gremlins before you go to Gremlins 2? I'm thinking that if... I think I probably will
2: not. Okay. Because my feeling is these sequels usually will tell you in the first five minutes what you missed. Yeah. There'll be some sort of ham-fisted attempt for someone on the screen to sort of give you way too much information about what happened. You know, they'll summarize the previous film in a sentence or two. And it's usually enough to enjoy the sequel, so I might I might revisit a couple of these, but I'm I think that it's an interesting experience to just jump in with a sequel.
0: Okay, how about you? Uh, it will it will depend. Um, I'm looking at my list, and i I don't think I will need to. Mm-hmm. Um, I may I may choose to, <laughs> uh, but I don't uh, I don't think I'll need to, especially if I've gone say not the second. But beyond.
2: Okay, it's my selection. And for my first selection, in keeping with our roots in Perfect Stranger Things, I will select Evil Dead Two. Whoa, this is yeah. the nineteen eighty seven sequel to Evil Dead. Steve, I have not seen Evil Dead. So And I have not seen Evil Dead 2. Are you gonna watch Evil Dead before you get to Evil Dead Two? I think maybe no. And I think
0: I think And I don't think you have
2: to in this yeah, case. Yeah, I again I think that this is one of those cases where I'm pretty confident that Evil Dead
0: Two will do the work to tell me what I need to know. Evil Dead Two uniquely does the work compared to other sequels. And that has to do with licensing issues, I believe. Oh, very good. So, so, so this, this I think is going to be actually a very interesting. I, I actually am glad you're doing this because I'm very curious to see how you uh, take on Evil Dead. Because I remember when I, I was a late adopter, and we, my son and I, went through all three, and it was odd to watch two right after one because you're like, wait, this, what, this is just, just the same movie in some ways. So huh, I think this, I think this is really, I think this will be good for you.
2: Okay, I'm looking forward to it. I probably wouldn't have chosen this if if we didn't have sort of a horror element to this podcast. Mm. Um, but I kind of felt like I've never seen it. I've heard a lot about it. I probably should see it. It might help me enjoy Stranger Things more as well. Yeah, I think so. And it's it's a fun it's a fun one. Um, is this the medieval themed? Evil Dead? No, that would be Army of Darkness. Oh, Army of Darkness. Okay. I'm, I might have to do that after
0: Evil Dead too. Yeah, I, I, uh, that one, yeah, I think you'll want to do that. Okay, uh, it's now your turn. All right. Interesting. You know, we said we didn't have to do horror, but I'm going to do one that I've never seen. Oh, wait. Pause
2: right there. Was Evil Dead 2 on your list? No. Oh,
0: all right. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna do one that I haven't seen, uh, Psycho 2. Oh my goodness, I've never seen it either, and
2: Psycho, I almost feel like we should do Psycho at some point for this podcast, but neither of us has seen a Psycho 2, so that's interesting. I, I might revisit Psycho to watch Psycho 2. Yeah,
0: I did, I, I feel like I know Psycho pretty well, I did, uh, I did a, um, gothic literature and horror films uh class you know just years ago but when i was at sonoma state and uh, i spent a lot of time on psycho
2: interesting um, go see wolves yeah, a woo, splash. And, um and the uh i want to um, hear more about this class i didn't know we've been doing this podcast for a while i had no idea you took this class
0: yeah, yeah. it was it was uh great i mean like we did you know we studied a lot of gothic literature you know a lot of edgar Allan poe a lot of uh short stories that you know involved some of the more uh, sinister uh aspects of um, earlier american culture as well And but then we also did an emphasis on on horror films i mean we we studied texas chainsaw massacre carrie american psycho huh. psycho um yeah it was it was pretty so great psycho was, 2 uh, was this also hitchcock no, no. So this is like twenty two years later, I think. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, so Psycho Two so I remember like the only way I the only reason I really ever knew Psycho Two and Psycho Three existed was because of Mad Magazine, because that's how I knew most things that happened. <laughs> sure. yeah. uh, and Mad Magazine was sort of Fox News before Fox News. <laughs> so yeah, so and exactly. It's a parody of what's happening in real life. <laughs> so I always thought even as a as a younger person that like psycho 2 and psycho 3 would be bad and i don't know that they aren't but I, i've heard recently that psycho 2 and even psycho 3 are are kind of worth watching that they're that there's something mm-hmm. um that they don't they don't feel like they betray the the sort of the trajectory so i'm, yeah, I'm very Yeah i think curious. that
2: in general i mean i think that the i there's a general idea out there that sequels
0: are usually worse mhm Especially if it's something like this, right? Because this feels like it could be yeah, because this is a classic. Capitalize right? on it, yeah. Capitalize on on a title, because uh-huh. um, I remember when when uh, Terminator Two came out, what a big deal that was. Because there was so much time in between.
2: Yeah, I was just gonna say that it it kind of is generally true, and yet some of the best films ever made are sequels, like Godfather Two or Empire Strikes Back. Um, I mean there there's a lot of really really important films that were sequels that are really in the, like the, the top 100 films of all time.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean because I think I think it's really because there's so many sequels that are cash grabs. Yeah, um, that's right. That that it's easy to sort of like to to dismiss the sequel as as a form of storytelling, I guess. But I mean, I mean why wouldn't you? Why couldn't you, right? I mean, mm. we've seen it. We've seen successful sequels. Um but yeah, it is. It's interesting, and maybe and maybe that's less of the case, like with the younger generation. But I think for our generation, um, you know, it seemed like the sequel really, like when we were younger, the idea of the cash grab sequel be like really became a thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Is it my turn? It is your turn.
2: Okay, so you just mentioned Terminator Two, which, in my view, is probably the best action film ever. Wow! I'm going to go with. One of the, I would say, one of the top five best action films of all time. It is a sequel. It is Aliens with an S. Oh, that was on my list.
0: Okay, good. So we're definitely going to do that. I only have seen it once, and it was, I think, like maybe one or two years ago. I remember the first time I saw it, I thought
2: I was watching the original Alien, so that when I watched Alien for the first time for season one of Cocoons, I was very mistaken. I thought that I had seen it before. <laughs> so I love this movie. Love this movie. I'm going to, I can't wait to watch it again.
0: Yeah. I'm excited to rewatch this. Cause yeah, I said I saw it the one time and I was, I was impressed. I, uh, cause I remember when it came out, what a big deal it was. Mm-hmm. And, and having, having had not seen alien, but knew a bit about it. Um, uh, For me, I, I started watching Saturday night live in
2: 1986 the season premiere include it, it featured Sigourney Weaver. So of course, there was an aliens parody. so that was sort of like i' I'm, I'm enjoying this sketch knowing that I have no frame of reference for the pop culture reference behind it.
0: So this is kind of exciting. so we've got for you you had said no necessary it doesn't have to be horror mm-hmm. We've got. Psycho 2, Gremlins 2, Aliens, and Evil Dead 2. Look at us. Yeah, look at us. I will go off script. I want you to know I'm I'm about to go off script here.
2: Oh, I'm going to go off script. But uh, it it is your selection.
0: Uh, I'm going to go with Predator 2. Okay. I have not seen this. I have seen Predator. So Predator is one of my favorite action films. Like in terms of The original. The original Predator, just in terms of like... It's like cotton candy action, right? I mean, it's just entertaining. It's uh, it's it's uh, <laughs> it's campy at times. Um, I know you love but the it's a, camp uh, for sure. Oh, but it, but it's shockingly effective, right? I mean, like it's actually a really good action movie, and it's it's easy to sort of go like, ah, it's a Schwarzenegger thing. And everyone's you know shirtless and sweaty. Um, but it's uh, it's insanely quotable. Uh, the effects are really good for the time, especially. Um, it's it's at half... times it's really horrible. I mean, they're
2: they're oh sure. I mean, sure. but it's horrible in a way that you'll be able to enjoy how horrible it is. So
0: the uh, the you know heightened testosterone factor is is, is pretty amazing to, to watch. Oh, Jess- like, Jesse so the body. I mean, just oh, the idea man. that there are two future governors in that film. Right, right. Which is you know one of my one of my favorite uh, SNL sketches was Carl Weathers running for governor. Vote for me because I too was in Predator. (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, you know it's really good. I really like. I like. I mean, I don't even. I mean, there's a lot of things to like about Predator. Kind of ironically, but like overall, it's a very fun and very interesting action movie. Um, So Predator Two. I'll be honest, I haven't seen it a lot. Mm-hmm. I saw it a couple times. Um, Danny Glover, uh, Gary Busey. <laughs> if that doesn't do it for oh, you, oh wow. well. You uh, sold yeah. me. You sold me at Busey, sir. You, you yeah, yeah, You're speaking my language. Oh, and Bill Paxton. Get out of here, man. This place is. This is gonna be great. <laughs> I think it's gonna be fun. Um, I, I have. I have. Have I? I don't want to say high expectations, but I'm really looking forward to revisiting this because I think. I think the one of the issues that I had with it was, as I did with any sequels, like, man, I put Predator on this sort of high pedestal, so Predator Two was just doomed by that comparison. So I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, looking at it through a, you know sort of a different lens and a, you know, maybe a little more ob- objectivity at this point.
2: Okay, all right. So this is my selection. Uh, this is the Color of Money. Hey, that was on my list. It was it. All right, fantastic. Uh, in my opinion this is of course is the 86 sequel to the hustler right and so Paul Newman reprises his role as fast Eddie Felsen. and um, for my money this is Tom Cruise at his best <laughs> I think this is this is Tom Cruise he's still kind of got that young Tom Cruise energy and it's before he got weird <laughs> and so if you were gonna say you know what's the best Tom Cruise movie? I would I would not hesitate. I would tell you it's The Color of Money. Um, yeah, looking forward yeah, to I this. Did. I love
0: this movie. I saw Color of Money like kind of early. You know, I mean, like not early, like early for me, I guess. I watched it when it was on VHS, right? And I I was pretty young, so I was like I was impressed, but also kind of like not totally engrossed as I, as I could have been. So I'm looking forward. to Did re- you
2: want to go to Buffalo Billiards right after you watched it? <laughs>
0: That's right and uh and then i watched the hustler way later love the hustler and so yeah. i'm looking forward to uh like so i might revisit the Hustler.
2: i might too i remember watching the hustler and not knowing that it had any
0: kind of relationship to color of money yeah, and i was just yeah I had the same that was my tick. same thing yeah yes yeah, i same. I it was the same exact thing and i remember watching hustler and that well, was really and then later finding out that they were connected and then it was always, I always made a point to revisit those two. So this is a great opportunity. All right. So it's your selection. Oh baby. Um, Superman three. <laughs> oh, oh man. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> this will be fun. Hey, super- oh baby. Okay. So, uh, Superman's great. Superman two's pretty good too. Um, and then it came down to Superman three. I went through a Superman kick. Yeah, I think we talked about this uh, <laughs> sure. off podcast. Sure. And uh, and Superman four is unwatchable dreck. but I almost chose it <laughs> for that very reason <laughs> because it is like a master class in it's in what everything that could go be wrong. Now,
2: which one has Richard Pryor? The one we're gonna watch. The one we're gonna watch. I always yeah. think I, I, I'll tell you what I've watched this. I've watched the first 10 minutes of this movie probably a dozen times, thinking, how bad could, could it be? It's got Richard Pryor. It's a Superman movie. This, this is going to be right up my alley. And 10 minutes in, I'm like, nope, I think I'm done. <laughs> so, for me to actually watch this from
0: start to finish, dude, I cannot wait. Um, yeah, Superman 4 is so bizarre, because you got, you know, Gene Hackman is back. Yeah. John, John Cryer is Lex Luthor's nephew, and I mean, it... <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, but it is it is a rough one uh the 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 main villain is nuclear man played by mark pillow mhm what's your other favorite mark pillow movie <laughs> i mean that just feels like like bad ai created him but uh but 3 i mean 3 is it's a nonsense movie i mean it is it is <laughs> i can't wait i just i can't there's not enough i mean you want to talk about a guilty pleasure 3 is it because three is, is insanely fun. I don't know how it fits after two. Christopher Reeve does his darndest, and I I'm really I'm looking forward to, to talking about this one with you quite a bit. Okay, my next selection
2: is Jaws Two. Interesting. I saw Jaws very recently, late in life, you know, a couple years ago. Loved it. And never seen Jaws 2. So I am. I am looking forward to this. It's nineteen seventy eight. I've been. I've been really into late seventies crime dramas lately, and if this is, of course, not a crime drama. Um, oh no the, the the shark is like it's a heist. Yeah, the shark is a serial killer, and I am looking forward to this. It's, it's got Roy Scheider again. It um it does not have Spielberg attached. Uh, as far as I can tell, and I think you you've got some history with this
0: movie, right? I do, mostly in the sense that I um, always thought that was Jaws. Yeah,
2: right. So you you probably turned it on in the middle, you know, some Sunday afternoon and watched yeah. watched it to the end.
0: Yeah, I am not convinced that I've seen this all the way through. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um. And you picking Jaws 2 does take Jaws 4 off the board for me, (laughs) which is your loss. (laughs) All right. right. Because Jaws 4 has the best tagline for any movie about a shark. This time it's personal? This time it's personal. (laughs) That's
2: amazing. All right, it is now your selection. Escape from L.A. Oh, this is going to be fun for us
0: because... I do believe that we watched this together. We certainly did. In fact, we, we were so excited for Escape from L.A., and we realized neither of us had seen Escape from New York. Mm-hmm. So we, we rented Escape from New York. I remember I was house-sitting at my sister's house
2: in Petaluma. Mm-hmm. I had never seen Escape from New York. Uh-huh. I was not prepared for what I was getting into. It was quite an experience.
0: Yeah, and then and then of course we went to the theater to watch Escape from LA, and that was even more of an experience. And I think this really helped me. I mean, I already had a pretty good, uh, unbeknownst to me, relationship with John Carpenter films. You liked them, really, but you I,
2: didn't know that that's where they came from. Yeah, like
0: Big Trouble, Little China. Like I wasn't really like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, that's a Carpenter thing, or and They Live and uh, Christine, um, Starman. Like I already knew and liked those movies so this kind of helped m- make me pay more attention to like oh there's a there's a dna in movies that i like from him obviously and so help me appreciate uh and i revisit these quite a bit so okay. uh, again sorry heather uh <laughs> escape from la is going to be playing in our house again <laughs> okay um so it is my selection
2: and i'm this is tough there's a there's a couple here that I really want, but I think that this is my final
0: selection, is it? My next one will be my final. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. And then you have two more. Okay, so it's going to be Teen Wolf 2. Oh, man, that takes one off
2: my list, so that's good for me. And this one uh, is spelled T-O-O. Um, <laughs> there's another Teen Wolf. And I recently watched in preparation for teen wolf which we did cover i i jumped i went right into teen wolf too, uh which is not michael j fox it's jason bateman it represents his cousin i think it's 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 uh, the original teen wolf's cousin who goes to college and he's on a i think a boxing scholarship huh. um and it's, it's something it's, there's something. Still have never seen it. So this is great. Okay. All right. So it's something, uh, you I think that you're going to be happily surprised with this one.
0: <laughs> so yeah, so this is my final selection and I've, uh, so I've got on my list cause there was some nice overlap. Yeah, one, two, three, four. Five options i'm choosing from i'm going to not choose temple of doom because it's technically a prequel mm, ah good 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 call i you know what i forgot that it was a prequel though i but i do think that there may be there's room in in the future for uh for temple of doom okay. on our podcast but it was
2: one of my most horrific experiences in the theater when i oh yeah man i'm right there the, with the you.
0: heart can't, comes out i i was over like there was too much it was too much at that age it was one of
2: the most harrowing
0: experiences that I've ever had in a theater.
2: Um, you look at it in retrospect it's it's fine <laughs> it's, it's just not it's, <laughs> it's not fine. just not for a four year old let's just say
0: right all right so uh but that's one you will not be selecting. I will not be selecting. We're gonna go with Rocky Four
2: interesting, you know. I didn't even consider any of the Rockies. Rocky Four, fantastic, love it. And what year is Rocky Four? It's eighty-seven. Um, that seems
0: right. Seems eighty-seven or eighty-eight. I'm not sure which one. Rocky eighty-five. Yeah. Oh, okay, wow. all right. So yeah, you can obviously choose a lot of Rockies. You know, I have a relationship with the Rocky films. Well, uh, now Rocky that was... now that
2: we have sort of, uh, you know a reboot of our tensions with Russia.
0: Mm-hmm. I think that, that was my that one. I think it's time for us to heal some wounds with Rocky 4. That was my thought. I mean Rocky 3 is, is is super entertaining, um but Rocky 4 is uh it's it's a rich tapestry to discuss.
2: Yeah, and I feel like at, you know, we need to do some good in the world. It is in our mission statement to, you know, to heal all fault lines between nations. Right, the cocoons of yeah. horror mission statement. I don't know if we've ever mentioned this before.
0: Yeah, I mean we'll we'll have a podcast where we discuss our core values. <laughs> so that's your final. That's my final. Rocky Four. Yeah. Again, yeah. Apologies, Heather. All right,
2: so let's go through your six before I get my last one in. So we
0: have Gremlins Two, uh-huh. the the new batch. Uh, we have Psycho Two, Predator Two, Superman Three. Escape from L.A., and Rocky IV.
2: (laughs) That's that's quite a selection. (laughs) All right. Mine are Evil Dead 2, Aliens, The Color of Money, Jaws 2, Teen Wolf 2, and I think that for my final film... I will go with Top Gun Maverick. Wow, I haven't seen it yet. I feel like I'm probably gonna watch it. Might as well review it. Okay. Have you seen it yet? I have not. All right. So this is gonna be, and I do believe it is, uh, you know, available
0: on Amazon Prime now. Gotcha. I was trying to rewatch Top Gun, and uh, it's, it's a rough one, man.
2: Yeah, I yeah, it's it's not great. If it has a plot, I don't know where to find it. Yeah, um, I am a big fan of beach volleyball, not that kind. <laughs> um. <laughs> There's other kinds. All right, so let's hear uh, some runners up here. Uh, what else was on your list that did not make it?
0: Uh, so, ones that did not make the list were was uh, you know the aforementioned Jaws four. Um, young guns too oh oh gosh i remember this not being good <laughs> uh die harder okay i that i had considered die harder and beverly hills cop too
2: interesting okay fantastic okay here's here are my runners up bright of frankenstein this is 1935 nice. okay uh
0: Mannequin 2 on the Move, 1991. (laughs) This is without Andrew McCarthy and Kim Cattrall, but we still have Meshack Taylor.
2: It's still Meshack Taylor, and it does, for those folks who have been following us on Double Dragon, it does include a full five-minute prologue that is set in the medieval world. Oh, that's right. (laughs) Uh, I put on Silence of the Lambs because it is technically a sequel to Manhunter, True, um, breaking two electric boogaloo. Oh, man.
0: That's such a good one.
2: Let me just tell you this: if you are ever feeling down, if you ever feel a little depressed, you're a little sleepy, don't want to get out of bed, life is kind of gotcha. I want you to go to YouTube. I want you to watch the trailer. I guarantee you, you will get an endorphin high. By watching this <laughs> this uh, movie preview, uh, it's it could be one of the best trailers ever put together. Uh, it's it's fantastic. It's it, I, I'm, I'm run out. R- stop
0: right here. Run out. And watch it right now. Welcome back. We're glad that you watched that, and I'm sure you're now listening to this with that endorphin higher than anything you talked about. <laughs> Uh, all right. That that's uh I think that that's
2: that gets us prepared for season three of Cocoons of Horror. Looking forward looking to it. Looking forward to it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, after you mentioned Mannequin Two, I immediately was like, Oh, short circuit two would have been a jam. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I forgot there can't were no short I,
0: circuit two. I, I can't believe there were no police academies. <laughs> I do, I think I watched Police Academy 3
2: in the theater, uh, feeling a bit scandalized by a, a
0: wet t-shirt situation. I for sure saw 4 in this. so okay, there's Police Academy, Police Academy 2, their first assignment. Police Academy 3 is, is it like back in training? I and then I, I think I, I'll be
2: honest, I think I've seen <laughs> one Police Academy movie, and that's it. I, I, I know believe, that there's a guy that makes <laughs> noises with his mouth in this movie.
0: I believe 4 is Citizens on Patrol. Oh, interesting. I know, I don't remember. I think 6 5 or 6 is City Under Siege. Hmm. I then there's one I'm forgetting and then I think 7 is Mission to Moscow.
2: How come they never did a crossover movie with Police Academy and Tango and Cash? Uh,
0: that'd be an interesting one like i be are they, are they teaming up? Yeah,
2: they're teaming up, or they're going against. Maybe they have to like go against each other. There's corruption because there's corruption. Tango and Cash get brought in to deal with the corruption of the police academy, and then they realize that they have to join forces
0: to take down. I don't know. You name the villain, John Lithgow. See, I, I think I think it'd be better if it was like the series True Detective new season is is them. <laughs> It be going back, they're they're undercover with the police guys.
3: Bobcat Goldthwait
1: is the commissioner. <laughs>
2: Thank <laughs> you.